Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services. A leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online at DonahueAccountingService.com. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. And I'm J.T. Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Front Office News. All right, fellas, we're back for another episode. Let's jump right into it. The Bearcats are currently 14-7 and after losing to West Virginia, 65-69. to J.T., thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? Man, one that got away, even though the first half didn't go pretty. When they turned it on, they had up to a six-point lead. Second half... You know, West Virginia got the lead, and then the Bearcats went on a run, getting up as much as 10 points with less than seven minutes left. And they just went ice cold, man. Didn't get a lot of good – when they did get shots, they weren't good shots. And ended up burning them. You know, it was one of those games they could have had, they should have had, and they let it slip through their hands, man. And um, it's one of those ones – Depending on how this season goes, this will be one that, you know, people will kind of look at if something, if it goes awry. I mean, they still got hope because it's a lot of time left, but this is one of those ones. If if it gets tight and they get bumped out, you'll look at this, you know, look at that game and be like, man, that's 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 the one. Because they haven't had any bad losses until, you know, until the West Virginia game. That's a quad three loss. You know how all that quad stuff goes and so, but the positive is they, they'll have a lot of opportunities at, at good wins, but the negative is you're up 10 points. You got to, you got to close the deal. And they didn't. Uh, JT, do you feel of the big 12 games thus far? Do you think that's the worst the Bearcats have played all around? Yes. Because reason why I say that is because the other games, even if they did have those lulls, when they turned it on, they turned it on for longer periods of time. And I thought the Bearcats just had like a real good five, six minutes in the second half. And after that, it was just kind of it was kind of rough. You know what I mean? They had a real good five, six minutes, and that that was it. It really against West Virginia. Um you could tell Vic was laboring. Um, not laboring, but he wasn't himself, you know. Being, you know, being that he was sick on, on Saturday and, you know, he probably was barely, you know, 100 percent and he just was gutting it out. I think it might have been like hindsight 2020. What you going to do now? But I think, you know, even though Jamil got that tech and that, that was a big swing, I, I don't really know what he, I kept looking at the replay. I didn't really see what he did. That was worth getting teched up, teed up for. But at the end of the day, it was called four point swing. But I thought he was still had impactful minutes. I thought he, you know, he had a couple blocks. Yeah. I thought he was rebounding very well. I think that might have just because I think Vic really wasn't 100%. Hindsight 2020, I think maybe more, I think it was more of a Jamil game. But maybe that swings the pendulum the other way, hopefully. But at the end of the day, no matter what, how they played it, they were up 10. Um, I didn't like the threes at the end of the game. I thought we kind of panicked a little bit yeah. after West Virginia got the lead. Um, after battle, you know, CMOS hit the three, gave him the lead, and battle hit the three, matched it, which was a tough shot. He made it. But I think the Bearcats, they hunted the three. I don't know if that was the day day Thomas turnover first. The one where the ball slipped out of his yeah, hand? Yeah, it slipped out. And that was before, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might have been before. Not out before, but um, no, they they hunted the three too much, and I think like, you know, West Virginia didn't shoot the free throw, didn't shoot the ball well from the free throw lines. They were splitting all their free throws. I was like, if they just would have took the two, um, a couple times, they would have got tied up in two possessions because every free, every time they shot two, they were splitting. Yeah. So I think that they kind of panicked, and that's just them, you know, John Newman getting hurt at the end didn't help either. He's kind of like the steadying. The, you know, the calmness of the team, you know, the heart and soul, him being out that last couple minutes didn't help either. But it was just one of those ones where I think they panicked a little bit and on the road and the environment must have got to them a little bit. And they just didn't play like their normal, their normal Bearcats basketball. And um, it bit them in the backside a little bit. 
Neil, thoughts on the performance? Yeah, as JT mentioned, I thought obviously they got out to a slow start offensively. I mean, I believe Dan Skilling started out one for five, if I remember right, to start the game. But overall, they responded great towards the end of the first half. I think, it, as JT mentioned, it was a 6-0 run. I think they go up 27-21 with about three minutes left in the first half. West Virginia kind of weathers the storm a little bit to keep it a three-point game at the half. But overall, I think, as JT mentioned, obviously Victor Lockin was struggling, obviously coming off the illness. As everyone knows, Wes Miller even said himself that this was an illness that affected the whole locker room that even kept most of the guys out of practice. So it was something that didn't just bother Victor Lockin over the last week and a half. It bothered many others, even the coaching staff, is what he said in the post game following the UCF game. So I think the conditioning, just obviously being that sick and jumping right back into it, could definitely play a factor. I mean, got to think too, like the UCF game, if he was sick prior to the UCF game, which say he say he got sick on Thursday, heading into that UCF game, you're looking at just about a whole week with no practice potentially for Victor Locke and if anything, just limited action due to that illness that he was overcoming. So I think the conditioning level was something that kind of hurt Victor Locke. But I mean, that's you you can't really blame that on Victor Locke when you get an illness or get sick, something like that. Like miss time, it's one of those situations where you can you can't control it. You can only control what you can control. And in that situation, there was not much Victor Locken could have done in terms of that aspect. But I think it was, as we talked about, one of those games where he really struggled. And this team is so much better when Victor Locken is efficient on the offensive end. But you could kind of tell early that this was going to be a two, a two big lineup, a two big game. But whether that was Victor Locken or Aziz Bandego or Victor Locken and Jamil Reynolds, Aziz Jamil, whatever option that was but due to the physicality that West Virginia presented there in the front court I mean I Jesse Edwards was fantastic I mean only played 13 minutes I believe versus Oklahoma State following the broken wrist and then he just comes back and has a career day 25 points 10 rebounds and he did not miss a field goal in the second half when a perfect nine for nine but that that's something too like that Russ mentioned on our show earlier today with the Bearcat Blitz was what could have been done to present a guy like Jesse Edwards out of the front court. Obviously, you look down at the stats, he went three for nine from the foul line. So do you maybe consider fouling fouling in there and making him beat you at the line? I mean, that was something West Virginia struggled with. But unfortunately, with how the game caused was called last night, I don't think that really even makes a difference because West Virginia shot 24 free throws, I believe, or 28 free throws, and UC only shot eight. So, I mean, that's the difference right there. I mean, second half. West Virginia goes 22 to two in the free throw difference uh, there in the second half. So there, that's really the game right there. I mean, they went 14 for 22 there in the second half. So they split the free throw difference. They were shooting about 50% from the line, as JT mentioned. But shot selection down the stretch was just really what hurt them. And then personally, the Jamil Reynolds technical early in the second half. And for what JT was talking about, he got teed up because after he backed the defender down, he went down and pointed at the West Virginia bench and ref saw it and quickly gave him a tee. I don't know what the gesture was or what was said, but it was just a small little gesture towards the celebration and it turned into a four point swing that gave West Virginia the lead. So I thought they, they built it off of that. And then down the stretch, man, the final six minutes was just poor shot selection. If you ask me, I don't think they really played to their potential. You know, you're up 10 clock management. I think they got antsy. West Virginia goes on a run and then they started settling for some uncontested shots that just weren't the best of looks. I would have loved to see them kind of contact hunt a little bit there down the stretch. I mean, that was getting to the rim, uh, especially with the guy like John Newman, Dan Skillings, whoever that may have been. I would have loved to see them try to get to the line and really get them in foul trouble or just take the easy buckets instead of just firing up some uncontested shots. I mean, the last two possessions you go with consecutive three balls that don't come anywhere near the rim. So I think the shot selection down the stretch could have been a lot better. But overall, that's, that's going to be a game where they, they're going to come back and be like, yeah, this one this one hurts. Especially now when you're looking at the next four games for them down the Big 12 play. I mean, you have Iowa State, Texas Tech, Houston, and UCF might be even a quad one opportunity when they – travel to Orlando in two weeks, depending on how 
they play out in the net rankings. For anyone who doesn't know the net rankings, if you're top 75, that's what considers it a quad one win. And Westford or UCF right now is sitting at 72. So a lot of big opportunities ahead, but this is one where they're definitely going to have to turn the page quick and come ready to play versus Texas Tech on Saturday. Uh, for the Bearcat fans out there, um, you know, obviously this is on audio, so you cannot uh, see us. But Neil got a haircut, and he shaved, and he lost about 10 years. <laughs> so we did our pod last night live at Meals. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But you would not have been able to buy a beer last night. <laughs> you had the haircut, the, the clean shaving. You, you've lost some some age on you a little bit there. Um, so hey, That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Young kids. That is a good thing. So, hey, couple couple thoughts I have real quick. Um, so, because you guys covered a lot, but um, you know, th- th- this team is is battling so much right now. Um, almost an identity thing. I think they they're you know they're looking for their identity, and and it's not all their fault. Now, I know. Listen, there are no excuses in sports because every team's going through something, right? It's like you can say we've got this injury. Well. This team, UCF, has this injury. We have this sickness. Well, these players are sick on the other team. I, I, I get all that. But but the reality is this team has just, uh, I think, been through a lot health-wise uh, with the injuries and sickness combined. And it's just they just haven't got into a, a good flow. And I think the strength of this team, and, and, and JT, I want to bring you in on this, the strength on, of this team is the depth. But at the same time, when we – don't have everybody available. I think we lack that go-to 100% dominant player where it's consistent dominance. Now, Dan Skelling has showed at times he has that ability to be that guy. Um, you know, John Newman uh, will occasionally be that guy, but there's no David DeJulius take over the game. We know we got the ball in his hands and we're Gucci, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on what I just said there, JT? For sure, man. That's one of the things that made me nervous about um, the the um, the waivers and everything, you know, because, uh, you know, with, you know, I'm sorry to always harp back on it, but you have two key pieces that didn't get to have the original time with the with this team. And this was a team that was. You know, people trying to fit in new spots. You lose uh, Melanders Nolly and David DeJulius. You know, those two were were big. Like, just imagine if this team had Landers Nolly, not the like prior spilled milk. You know, I mean, it would just be like this team would be like top tier, honestly, right now. But um, they don't. So, like, you know, you got people like Dan was here last year. Um, but he was, you know, a freshman, you know, now he's stepping into where he's getting more low, you know, more of a, um, more of a role, more of an important role. And at times he is stepping up in a big way. Um, but at the same time, he has just so much to learn on this role about this role, um, that it is, I don't know where sometimes he's going to fail. Sometimes he's not, you know, so it's kind of how it goes. And then with, um, CMOS, he's a newer guy um you know first year in the system um at times he's shown flashes so it's just you know john he's he's the he's the heart and soul of the team but he's more of a defensive guy that's shown have shown a lot of offensive flashes the last few games so it's just uh it's one of those things where it comes back to bite him at times because some of the other teams they have like that guy in a gift like you said they're so deep pause um <laughs> that they have you know they have multiple people that can play at at the positions right but sometimes you know it's not like that one guy that's just like okay I'm I'm going to command at least 15 to 20 points a night um we thought like Vic was going to be that guy at times he's shown it but you know you know as of late he's been a little off you know what I mean but him being sick probably has definitely not helped him help his cause and then um Dan is kind of shown that way, but then like Dan is one of those guys. He's like, um, he's a roller coaster. Like he, he, he sometimes when he's high, he's up. He's gonna make a lot of great plays. But sometimes he's gonna make some plays that you're gonna be that shows that he's a sophomore, and that's where we're at right now. Um, I think Day Day stepped up a little bit, you know. Um, 
it wasn't one of his better games last night, but at the same time, I think he's shown that he can he can do it. Jizzle's, um, I mean, he doesn't start, but Jizzle is a very, 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 very good offensive player. But they have so many pieces, and sometimes when you have so many pieces and nobody's like taking a bull by his horns, you don't you don't have the pieces. If that makes sense, does that does that make sense? Um, yeah, you know. Um, Alex, so I think that's what's hurting them because they have so many pieces and the injuries have been at inopportune times. As soon as they start catching a flow, somebody yep. gets hurt or when they get everybody back, then the next game they don't have everybody. So, like, maybe some of the roles might be a little bit more defined or everybody kind of understands where, they, where they're where going to get their shots and the injuries aren't helping it. And then they're kind of just like Coach Miss Miller said, like, it was that last – not last game, but – the last home game, he was just like, we're kind of just almost thugging it out. You know what I mean? Because of the injuries, you know, um, per se. Paraphrasing, he didn't say thug it out. But um, I wish he did. That would have been crazy. That would have been crazy, right? That would have been crazy. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that's kind of like it hurts them at times, you know. And then sometimes it's kind of like some of the young people are just balling and they're just like F it and it's, it's working out. But then at certain times, like the West Virginia game, they couldn't stop the bleeding, you know, um, that, you know, West Virginia went on that run and nobody was there to be like, okay, I'm going to stop this bleeding. They're on a six hole run. Let me get a bucket. And that didn't happen. So that's where you see like the, the, not, I don't want to say immaturity, but that's where you see the people that aren't like they're, you know, the roles aren't defined or the people aren't fully comfortable in their roles yet. And they're trying to develop it and they're developing it in a hell of a, a basketball conference and you see it, you know, so that's where, that's where it burns them, and that's like the gift and the curse of the team. So, you know, they got time to keep building. I mean, you know, it's like a mold of – it's like a mold – like you're molding clay, and right now they're molding. They're not a finished product, but they have to kind of um, get more – people have to be more aggressive, I guess, to define their roles per se because they're going to need that. Yeah, and I, I think what you said um... – is what we have to really keep in mind. This is this is still a marathon. Yep. We're, we're still on the course of running this race. So season's not over. It's still not a finished product. Um, and, and speaking of finished product, um, you know, we're, we're, a lot of these players, we have to remember, you know, I think eventually we'll get there, like the Dan Skellings, the Jizzle James, the, as being those guys that can take over a game, right? Yeah. I think those guys will eventually be, and and there are. When I say a finished product, like you got to think about this program where it is now. I I think the program's on on pace, even a little bit ahead, um, in terms of you know this being like the premier program in the country, because nobody thought we were going to compete this year in the Big Twelve. No, been competitive. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Second, let's think about all these guys that will be back next year. Let's think about these recruits that are coming in. Let's think about, and I, 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 I can't speak too much on this, but some top players in the country that I know for a fact are heavily looking at the University of Cincinnati to come play basketball for. Yeah. So I think they're in some ways ahead of schedule with things. So we have to keep that long-term vision in mind as well. Now, the Bearcats take on number 15, Texas Tech, on Saturday at 6 p.m. in Texas. Now, you're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Let's jump into the Big O segment sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. In this segment, we cover players to watch in key matchups. JT, who should we look out for from the Bearcats, baby? Let's see where he is. All right. So, Dan, Dan led the team in scoring. Yeah. Technically. But he shot not 6-19. So that's why I guess it's a semi win. Um, and I'm like, man, am I to kiss the depth of these players or something? Like, are they listening to this and then pressing or something? I don't know what's going on. Or did somebody send him audio or something before the game? I don't know. But, uh, oh, man, I don't, I don't like, dude, I don't know. Like, I think, okay, so I think I'm going Day Day Thomas. They're on the road. Feel like he didn't. He, he had like four four assists, but he had three turnovers. So I'm kind of looking for him to be between eight to twelve points, 
three to five assists, but one turnover. Okay. One turnover because he had a couple um, unforced. So I think I want to have, I want him to go in another hostile environment. We're not at ECU anymore. You know what I'm saying? Uh <laughs> hey, let's let's just go and pull up to an ECU home game. We got to one year. We're we so, gonna see Coach punch a wall again and come to a press conference with his hand wrapped in a bandage. I would love that. If, if, if the three of us go, the attendance will go up by three, so it'll go from fifty to fifty-three. I know that'd be it lit. Might go up more than that. We can bring a crowd with us. We might be able to pack more out there down down there than what they're able to. Man, ain't nobody want to go to that game. Ain't nobody <laughs> trying to go to uh, what's that games in or from that game? Greenbrass up. North Carolina. <laughs> Maybe New Orleans. We might could do. We might could do better at Tulane. <laughs> oh man, especially but, uh, in February. Tulane, Tulane might might have a better chance of packing Tulane out. But uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go Day Day, man. Um, controlling tempo because I just think key the key. I mean, not to jump the you know jump the gun, but you know keeping those turnovers down. He'll be a key cog in that. And I feel like. Um, I think he'll want to improve on the, having the three turnovers, and I think he, I think he will, will do so because uh, we definitely, they definitely need, you know, to protect the ball, especially on the road. Even at home, you gotta do that as well. But I think he's gonna have a good game, and I, I'm rolling with the point guard. So um, his defensive intensity is, is has hasn't slacked off, and it can't slack off against Texas Tech. And uh, I just think he'll have a solid offensive game. All right, we're gonna I'm, we're gonna see what happens. If you jinx Day Day, then you're 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 cut off from the the, the players to watch. Okay? Yeah, I might have to, man. If it doesn't, if this, if Day doesn't have at least eight points, I might have to. But what if he, if he has a solid game and it's not like a great stats, then I'll I'll be fine you, with that. You, you're, yeah, you'll you'll be good. We'll, we'll yeah, keep, yeah, we'll keep you on the podcast. Bet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Neil. Before we jump into uh, Texas Tech and players to watch. Can you give Bearcat fans an update on CJ and John Newman? Yeah, so for we'll start with uh, John Newman. Obviously, everyone kind of saw him get banged up there at the end of last night's game. It was there in the final two minutes where he caught a – I thought it – me personally at first, I thought it was a hip injury because he tried to fight through the screen, and he kind of grabbed for that that left side a little bit more and then – after the play, like he finished, he thugged it out, finished the play, and then next thing you know, he's just down on the court. But it it's a rib injury for John Newman. Uh, Wes Miller gave an update on his weekly radio show tonight that said John Newman did not practice tonight. They kind of held him out. But it's nothing serious is what it sounds like. But it is a rib injury that is not considered long-term. But he said – if I know one thing, if John Newman can play basketball, he is going to play. He's built a little different and noted that he is built a little bit different in 2020 for an athlete in this time frame in 2024 compared to some others. He kind of referenced him like a 1990s kind of, kind of player with how well he takes care of his body. He's built a little bit different. So even if he's a little banged up, if he can play, he's going to try and go. Is what that kind of quote made it sound like. But that's a positive update. At least there's no broken ribs or anything more serious, but uh, Wes Miller did say he was down on the court for a little bit of periods of time because he was struggling to breathe because he got the wind knocked out of him. So that's a big, that was a big factor of it too. Cause you, anytime I think we all had the same reaction. We all saw John go down and we were like, Oh no. And the heart and soul of your team, you see him sitting there face down in pain on the court. That's never a sight you want to see. So at least yeah. it sounds like Hey, Neil, I think the, the thing for me when it happened was just kind of how he slowly went down. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, you, you you go off a screen and go, bam, you get hit and you, and you drop. It was like he kept going through defense and then slowly it was like, oh, it was almost like, you know, uh, Neil, I know Neil and JT, both of you guys, you know, watch, you know, boxing and UFC, those liver shots. You yeah, know, the guy get hit with a liver shot like when uh, Tank Davis hit Ryan Garcia. Yeah. You watch it like Ryan's guard. It's almost like a grenade. It takes a little bit of time. <laughs> and the guy just drops, and you're like, "Wait a minute, what?" Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. That was what was so confusing to me. I'm like, "Well, what? What happened?" When you watch the replay, it doesn't look like it was anything crazy. You know, Neil. 
Yeah, I didn't think it looked too, too crazy. But on the radio show tonight, Terry Nelson made a good point that this was actually something like he dealt with a hard shot to that same rib area in the UCF game. So this was something Mm. that was already kind of maybe bruised over a little bit. And then that that shot there last night to the rib or the the abdomen area just kind of was one of those where it, it slowly kicked in and it ended up dropping him. Well, that makes, that makes more sense knowing that something had been there previously or, or, you know, an injury. Yeah. So, I mean, UCF, that was a physical game as well. And everybody knows John Newman, like, dude, dude's a dog. Physical. He's going to make you work for every bucket, every rebound, every little thing. He's going to be physical. That's what a lot of coaches have praised about him throughout this season. And even though it wasn't the outcome the Bearcats wanted, but they desperately needed John Newman out there for the final two minutes and they missed him because I think if, if I think if John doesn't go down with that injury, I don't think Raekwon battle hits that three. I don't, but the positive side is it's no broken ribs. It's no internal injuries for John Newman. It sounds like they avoided a long-term injury, which is great, but CJ Frederick, on the other hand, he went through a warm up yesterday at West Virginia per our guy, Ethan Bach, over at West Virginia Sports Now. He's one of our good friends. So shout out, Ethan, uh, for all the updates and the content he was giving us at, while we were doing our live show at Mio's. But Wes Miller gave an update on CJ tonight that said, at this point, I trust that CJ is doing everything he can. Our training staff, when he'll get back, will incorporate him in, and it'll be great. But I'm not on the roller coaster anymore. I told him to let me know when you're ready to go, and I'm ready. So from what it sounds like is they're just kind of maybe taking the precautionary route. I'm going to ease a guy like C.J. Frederick back in. I mean, going through a warm-up yesterday, from what Ethan was telling me, like he put up a sweat in the warm-ups, looked like he was getting pretty close to potentially returning. And then now hearing that, it kind of gives you some concerns of maybe holding him out against – Texas Tech, and then giving him a whole nother week to prepare for the back end of this conference stretch, which might honestly not be a bad thing, especially when you have an Iowa State, a Houston. You have Houston twice. You have TCU. So it might not be something that's not bad for the Bearcats, but they definitely would want him back on the court as quick as possible. But that's the update that we got based off the quotes from the radio show tonight. So sounds like he's progressing. But it just is a matter of if and when he'll be back. All right, Neil, let's jump into who we need to watch out for from Texas Tech. Yeah, so for the Red Raiders, they're coming in this season 16-4, and 5-2 and two in the Big 12 Conference play. And this is a team that's coming off a gut-wrenching 85-78 to 78 loss to TCU on Tuesday. A game where they really shouldn't have lost, in my opinion. They were up as much as, I believe it was 19 early in the first half. Uh, TCU rattles off a 21-3 to run to come back and take a lead there heading into half. And ever since then, they put kept their foot on the brakes and took over. But for the Red Raiders, it all starts with sophomore guard Pop Isaacs. The six foot two, talented, talented point guard is averaging 17.5 points per game he, he's really the engine to the train for the red raiders because just his willingness to score where he can score not only efficiently shooting his splits are 40 percent field goal 33 percent from deep but he's shooting 84 percent from the line so a he's a guy that likes to get to the foul line and beat teams there but This is a guy who can score in volumes. I mean, we saw it versus TCU the other night. I mean, they held him great in the first half. And the next thing you know, you look down at the stat sheet and Pop Isaacs is up to 26 points. And most of them came in the second half. So he's able to score in volumes, whether that's from the mid-range game or the three behind the arc. But he is the guy that solely makes Grant McAslin's Red Raiders offense go. And then there in the front court uh, or the back court as well, you have West Virginia transfer. And Joe Toussaint, it's a fifth-year guy. He transferred out from West Virginia after everything happened with Coach Huggins. He's averaging 13 points per game, but he leads the team in minutes. He played. He has played 663 minutes this season for the Red Raiders. So he's seeing, I believe if you did the math right, it was averaging close to 33 minutes a game. So he is the guy that kind of alongside Pop Isaacs that the backcourt really 
is this heart and soul. I mean, they have a couple bigs down in the front court in Darian Williams and Warren Washington. Uh, Warren Washington is a guy who's averaging seven or eight rebounds a game and 11 points per game on 65% shooting. So the seven footer would be a good matchup for a guy like Aziz Bendego, Victor Lockin, or Jamil Reynolds. He's the team's leading rebounder. But overall, the damage is starting for the Red Raiders between point guards Pop Isaacs and Joe Toussaint. All right, Neil. You know what time it is, baby. The name game. The name game. Song never gets old. All right. <laughs> so you are going to get away slightly easy for this one. Okay. Now, Texas Tech, you've got one player. Okay. And two coaches. So okay. for the player. Number 23 for Texas Tech. Number 23 is Imeli Yalahu. Ooh, say that last name again. Yalaho. Yala- oh, now you changed it. Yalaho. <laughs> Yalaho. He changed it. Who you call ho? All right, so scroll down to the third coach. So you got to go to the coaches. The one that starts with an A? Give it a shot. A Choki Mokobu. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more time. One more time. A Choki Mokobu. Mokobu. Mm. What was – uh when we did our podcast live for Mio's yesterday, what was the uh, young man's name from West Virginia? Which one? There's two. No, there's only JT. <laughs> only one. There only can be one. Are you talking about a cock, a cock? A cock, a cock. Yes. Yes. You know what? If this hoops thing doesn't work out for him, there's adult films. Something. <laughs> definitely. Definitely adult films. All right. The, now, now scroll down, Neil. Stay on the coach's page. Scroll down to the first grad assistant. The first grad assistant. All right, let's do it. First grad assistant. Let's find it. Aki Kitamoto. Mm, say, 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 get a little bit louder. Aki Kitamoto. Dang. That's pretty good, Neil. That's pretty good. I, I You know, those are some tough names. I, I say you got away pretty lightly, but those are some tough names. Only three. Only three. So pretty, pretty, pretty good job, Neil. Appreciate it, JT. What do you grade him at? Yeah, that was that was that was that was a, a B plus. Okay, okay, Neil, you did a good job. <laughs> I played the second part of that song. I never do that. The Big O Second <laughs> is sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. All right, so. Let me just uh, quickly jump into uh, my player to watch. And you know what? I'm going to go with probably an unpopular pick um, in that. Not that this player is unpopular, but I think most people probably wouldn't pick this guy after the game he had versus West Virginia. I'm going to go with Vic because, I mean, I can't imagine Vic is going to have the same type of game he did versus West Virginia. I mean, Neil, how many points did uh, Vic have? Zero. Zero points and three rebounds last night versus West Virginia. And listen, he was – listen, I and I'll, I'll say this on the pod. You know, usually I hold this stuff, with, you know, privately. But I did text with Vic um, at one point prior to the game, and he was sick as a dog. I think I told you guys that. Um, he, was, he was pretty down and out in terms of his health. So the fact that he gutted out, got out there and played, you got to give him credit. He didn't play. You know, his best game. So I think a healthy Vic back, like you said, Neil, earlier, um, he impacts this this Bear, Bearcat basketball team in a major way. So my hope is Vic bounces back, has a big game, and helps us defeat Texas Tech. The Big O segment was sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. Do you have a business that needs better inventory control, production management, or improved accounting control? Outgrown QuickBooks or can't afford NetSuite? Give Loyal Bearcat grads Doug and Kathy Jacobs a, a call at Smart Dog Solutions. They've been in your position and would love to help you solve your problems. 
They can be contacted at 513-739-9473 or online at smartdog-solutions. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Kenyon segment sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. Now, this is where we cover the keys to the game. JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Man. So, I'm still say the two things, tur- not turn the ball over and win the rebounding battle, but win the rebound battle didn't didn't help them last game, but you still <laughs> can't lose it. So, um, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to say shooting shooting like in the mid-40s from the field, I kind of want to see that. They don't have to shoot great from three. I don't want to see them taking – I feel like they shot a lot of forced threes against West Virginia. I don't want to see them shooting forced threes, like in the flow as we talked about at the um, at Mio's yesterday. Um, I want to see them maybe about – they can shoot about between 15 and 18 threes, but I don't want to see them shoot forced threes that I don't care about. The, the volume, want to keep it under 20 until CJ comes back, honestly. But I don't want them to be forced because uh, I think if they don't shoot forced threes, they'll at least make six or seven of them, hopefully. And then that would be key. But I want to see them shoot between like 43 and 45% from the field, no matter what. All right. Well, then to you, Neil, what do the Bearcats need to do to win big? Win big. I'm going to say take care of the ball, but for something I want to see the Bearcats do in a game like this, I want to see them get to the line at least 20 times, 20 free throw attempts. That's what I want to see. 20 free throw attempts, especially coming off a game where he only shot eight, and they were 75% of the line, so they buried six of those eight. But I think with the tough physical team in Texas Tech, you've got to find ways to get to the foul line. So that's one big thing is you really got to get to the foul line and Take those free points, especially as JT mentioned, can't be chucking up just some three balls at the end. They got to take the smart threes. But I would really like to see them work the inside and work the paint, the mid range game. So for that, I would like to see at least 20 free throw attempts. Obviously, I'd like to see them keep the turnovers. I believe they had 16, 15 or 16 last night. I would like to see them keep that turnover number below 12 and create. 15 turnovers, which I think is very possible versus Texas Tech team. I mean, TCU the other night, they when they played TCU, they turned the ball over almost, I think it was 18 times. So it's very possible. And there you got your free throws and you got your turnovers. And on top of it, it's something we harped on all season, win the battle of the glass. Those are my big three keys for the Bearcats this Saturday in Lubbock. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. Um, on my side, fellas, you know, uh, so Texas Tech, 16 and 4, 11 and 0 at home. They're not losing at home right now. Um, I, I think there's a couple things. One, we need to hold them under 65 points if we win this basketball game, which means we have to have, I think, one major thing happen, and that is we need a lot of second chance points. All right. So, with those second chance points, that is impacted by offensive rebounding. We're not making a lot of the first shots right now. Like we're missing, we're taking, you know, we're taking some some deep threes and some different stuff. But we we need to rebound the ball offensively to get second chances. Now, what that does is when we get second chances, you usually at the college level, if you get second to third chances at the basket, you usually make Perfect. them usually convert. Absolutely. Um, And that also cuts down on the opportunities that, you know, Texas Tech will get at the basket, which will then in turn keep their points, um, hopefully under 65. And I think we could uh, we could win that basketball game. But this is a game, fellas, um, in in my eyes, I, you know, I, I look at it as I think we are a wounded dog right now. I think the fans know. The players know this was a bad loss, and I think they feel it. Um, in fact, I, I know they feel it. So my hope is, you know, they come back. And I, and I don't I don't look at this like, oh, this is a must-win game, although it is very important that we win this game. But hopefully they have that mentality that we need to go into Texas Tech and win, very similar to BYU. I mean, opportunity at Kansas to win that basketball game. 
Um, this basketball team has shown they can compete with anybody in the country. There's no question about that. So, you know, my hope is that the Bearcats can hold Texas Tech under 65 points, get a lot of second chance points, hopefully in the 30s, um, and rebound the ball offensively. The Kenyon segment keys of the game was sponsored by Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota. Come see fellow Bearcat Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota for all your Toyota needs, cars, trucks, and SUVs. Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Now, this is where we cover hot topics. For this hot topic, which came up yesterday at our live podcast at Mio's, and we were talking to a Bearcat fan. We brought a Bearcat fan onto the podcast, got, got gave him the mic, and I, I said to him, I said, if you're John Cunningham, what would you like to see or I asked him, if you were John Cunningham, what would you do to improve uh, the, the UC athletics even more? So my question to you guys, we're going to keep it at that. I'm going to start with you, JT. If you were John Cunningham, JT, you're JT Cunningham. <laughs> what, <laughs> what would you do to improve UC athletics? Good question. Man, I know I'm like I'm buying time. I was thinking about this since I saw saw the the hot topic, but uh, I mean they're already working on the inside sports complex. That's that's one thing, right? But they already got he already got that rolling. If I was John Cunningham, what would I do? Okay, the only thing I would do if I was John Cunningham, my man had some good uh. Some good answers too. I, I'm not gonna steal his answer. I'm gonna stay that. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll steal one of his answers. Adding a scoreboard on the other side of the uh, field, on the football stadium. But my other part is, I would say I probably would um expand on Nippert Stadium. Maybe about eight to thirteen thousand seats. Damn. That'd be one what thing. I think. What would that make yep. it? Let's see. It's at 30. Is it 38, 9? 39. I think it's 39.2. So you add that, that'd be close to 46, 47 range. So I probably want to get like 50. I want to get it to 50. Okay. 50 to 52. They don't need to go too crazy. Um, but I would probably expand that especially going into the big 12 you got more fanfare you playing against better teams um allow more fans to get in in the nipper stadium uh with the the way it's on campus it's doable just have to rise it up in certain pockets i feel like it, it can be done pretty easily i know that would cost um, but that'd be the only thing i would do um off top of my head i feel like doing that would be pretty dope um Let's see. Probably, let's see. In Linder Center, maybe now that we are back, Nike Jordan, do some kind of like, like before, like present and future type wall, especially with the Nike and Jordan um, gear, do something like that. Okay. Think that'd be pretty dope. I don't know where that like because you know how they have like they they'll like display like the baseball uniforms and football have, like the CFP uniform from Sauce and Kobe. Yeah, and but I probably oh, I would make it more of a like a wall or even even if it's not a wall, it'd be like almost like in the middle with glass or something, maybe further down both ways, and then do put more unis in there. On both sides, like you know, football, basketball, maybe soccer, you know, do some do some stuff like that. Um, that'd be one of the things. And that's that's all I got for off off top of my head right now. So you guys probably have some some other ideas, but mine's is pretty generic today. Okay, JT Cunningham. Yeah, I like it. Neil. Yeah, so. As the fan we brought on mentioned last night, JT stole one of them. A new scoreboard on the north, I believe we talked about it, the north end zone would be a nice addition. 
to Nippert Stadium because for many fans who have been in Nippert Stadium, which I'm hoping is all of you guys listening to this show, there's only one giant scoreboard, and that's above where the tunnel is. So I think if you could add another scoreboard, that would be fantastic. But me personally, JT mentioned it, you have the indoor practice facility going up. Me personally, they're doing the renovations to the baseball stadium. So they're getting new padding for the fence, a whole new fence. They just got new turf. So the baseball stadium is just about taken care of. So me personally, I would love to see them potentially do something newer with Gettler Stadium, the soccer stadium, the soccer field area. I think that would be a fantastic addition. Uh, Obviously, it is a big field right now, but I think they can definitely do much more with it. Now, whether that's a new scoreboard, do like an electronic scoreboard or something, kind of show like the highlight tapes, like what the baseball team did. But there's just a lot of open space there. I think you can definitely maybe put some stands on the other sides, obviously, whether that's behind the track a little bit. Or something there. I think it's definitely feasible. But you do got to think that it's the track stadium too. So you got to know what uh, options you're really working with there. Because you don't have that much space with the track and everything. But I think that would be something that they could potentially upgrade there. With the new scoreboard as well. For the women's soccer team. But then also. Maybe it was another topic that got mentioned last night. Maybe adding a new practice arena for the basketball teams. Obviously for anybody who is known what the practice facilities look like down in Lindner, there's the practice arenas, but all the teams are sharing one giant practice gym. So potentially adding another practice gym on the inside would be an interesting idea, whether that's you're splitting that with volleyball, women's basketball, men's basketball, the dance, the cheerleading team, you, you have some lip, you have some options down there to really, kind of do some things and potentially they're not, as we talked about last night, I don't think they're really limited to space. I think it's feasible, but that'd be something interesting to keep an eye on as well. All right. The Twyman segment is sponsored by visionary cleaners. All right. So I've got uh, a lot of completely different content than what you guys uh, kind of brought up. Um, So my, my first thing, first of all, I think John Cunningham's doing an amazing job. Um, I think he's a great AD. Um, I think he's got even more great ideas that he's going to implement. Um, I've been impressed with John Cunningham. Uh, so I've got a couple things I would do um, that I think would enhance UC athletics. Number one, I would have an event yearly. And I think it would be really cool to have some sort of, um, you know, I don't know if you call it UC legends, um, but just imagine if there was an event and fans could pay money and it'd be in fifth third arena and it almost would be like a, uh, there'd be a stage set up um, kind of a gala in some ways. And like you, a fan fest idea. Is that what you're not, not necessarily a fan fest, but like more of a, and it could be, but the only reason I, I venture away from calling a fan fest is because I think it'd be a gala to raise money for NIL and you bring back guys like Travis Kelsey Kevin Euclid, Sauce Gardner, Kenyon Martin, some of your really high, high-level athletes. Have we ever had an event at the University of Cincinnati where you're bringing all the top athletes that have played there or former players back? It's usually football does something, basketball does something. It's always they kind of been separate, other than the the um, uh, the Hall of Fame. I'm looking for what's the Hall of Fame thing called? Uh, Legions okay. of Excellence. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So just having some sort of gala where you're bringing in. I mean, and, and I said Travis Kelsey. I should include his brother. So the Kelsey brothers um, coming back. Um, I mean, just think the amount of money you could raise by having, you know, all those guys back because there are many people that have never met some of those guys and have the opportunity to meet them, but it would be a premium dollar to come to this event. So Neil, when you say fan fest, I say not a fan fest because fans could easily access these guys. Right. But in this case, a gala, you'd have to pay big bucks to go and that money would go towards NIL. Now um, a couple other things. Um, I would like to see them change up uh, if I well, let me restate that I'm athletic director, so I'm changing the policy of 
whose number gets retired in basketball. So we're going to form a committee of uh, former players, uh, some coaches, administrators, whatever you want to put together, but put a board together and start putting some guys in. I think we've had too much great basketball, too many great basketball players that have meant a lot to this program whose number needs to be retired. So that's something that I would put in right away. Um, I, I'd also would love to see across the board in, in all of athletics, a former player mentorship program for the new players. So for example, you know, a lot of these former football players, um, take for instance, Derek Adams, who played in the nineties. He came out to our podcast last night. Um, Derek Adams is doing tremendous things, not only in the business world, but also in the community. He'd be a great guy to link up with, you know, uh, Corleone or, you know, one of the, the, you know, Pace brothers or whoever it is. Um, and have him just, you know, help mentor. You know, sometimes when you think of mentorship, you think of somebody's down and out and they need somebody to help them. Guide. No, that's not always mentorship. Mentorship's to be there to help provide business advice, just advice on different things, um, build up their confidence. So I think some sort of former player mentorship that goes across the board. I mean, you got greats like Mary Weinberg, who would be great for, you know, female athletes. Uh, so um, that, and then the last two things, and I'll, I'll kind of get off my uh, uh, athletic director uh, stage here. Um, I'd like to see some really unique fan engagement opportunities. Um, I think it would be really cool to have, and I'm just going to take basketball, um, have fans even more engaged with uh, basketball games, both men and women's. Imagine, you know, if you have, you know, two fans that, Somehow you have something set up where, you know, there are a lot of people that have been coming to games and I'm not talking about like donors. I'm just talking about people that buy tickets, season tickets, been coming to games for 20, 30 years. Imagine you give them a game like against Stetson and they, they get to be out there and the, um, you know, when the Bearcats, you know, do the starting lineup or whatever the case is, you have those fans out there and maybe if they have a kid or grandkid out there and, you know, kind of in that, you know, high-fiving them as they come out. Um, but just engaging, I'm, and I'm making up stuff, but engage the fans more in, I think, game day activities. Um, you know, one one thing I always have a beef with, and it's not, not necessarily UC, I think it's um, stadiums, arena across the board. When you play a team like Stetson and it's not 12,000-plus fans there, and you have, let's say, 9,000, as you get towards the second half, those people that are sitting up high, bring them down. Bring them down. Fill up that lower bowl. Give them an experience down there. Get them, get, get, get some people courtside. Uh, give them that experience. Um, and I'm not saying you see – maybe they do that in some capacity. But I, I've been to games, man, that uh, – I have been. I went to an NBA, NBA game one time, and the team was blowing the team out by 30. And there are kids sitting in, like, row 134 it's like man get those kids down there in the lower bowl there's nobody down there you know what i'm saying true and, and, and what you do is you 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 build up a even stronger fan base you know what i mean like because yeah. that's really the lifeblood of your program is your fans and your fan base now and i think uc's done a tremendous job because neil and jt tell me if you agree or disagree with this but i think fandom is that an all-time high for UC athletics? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I've I've never seen it the way it is now with these fans and their love for UC athletics. So how can we take that to that next next level? Because you know, I mean, those Kentucky Ohio State fans are absolutely insane. They're they're crazy, right? They're all over the. But I think we can continue to improve that fandom. Um, and the last thing I want to say is um, definitely engaging former players and fans um, more, uh, more opportunities. I think like bringing back, like imagine Mick Cronin's first class, um, bringing them back yeah. and, 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 and doing something with them and the fans, you know, like H Huggins first class, uh, you know, just different pockets of guys 
I think that's always uh, cool and get, getting them engaged with the fans. Cause end of the day, I think the fans want to find ways to thank those former players for what they did for the program. And they don't always get that opportunity. Yes, social media does so much, but to be able to shake their hand, have their kids, grandkids take pictures with them, I think mean a lot. Zaldan, what do you guys think about that? Am I crazy? Good ideas, bad ideas? I think that's a great idea. A great idea, especially, especially in the world of what NIL is right now. I think that's a fantastic idea because as many know, NIL is a different breed. So having an event like that, I think is huge. Yeah, I, NIL is, is what it's about. And you know what you need? I mean, like you've got the Cincy, uh, Cincy Light stuff going on, and that's a thing where fans buy the beer, right? The beer then sales go back to NIL, and they've got different events and stuff. So you need the fans to impact, impact, excuse me, impact NIL. So I think engaging former players, engaging them with the fans, um, bringing them back, uh, I, I could just see the fandom going up, up, up. In a way, so that I'm getting off. That's that's my only day being athletic director. And, and listen, I say all that and, and saying I think UC does a good job with a lot of things, and it's, I, I don't have any criticism towards UC. And I think John Cunningham does a great job. The Twyman segment was sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Visionary Cleaners is a locally owned company by former Bearcat student athletes. They specialize in high quality commercial cleaning of businesses, apartments, and pre and post construction cleans. They can be reached at 513-388-7816 or contacted online at visionarycleaners.com. Fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Donahue Accounting Services, Smart Dog Solutions, Greg Hood at Beachmont Toyota, and Visionary Cleaners. Um, quickly, before we uh, sign off, let's give a huge shout out to Kelly and Richard Mios for having us out for the first really watch party away game uh, podcast, fellas. Yeah. Shout out to Kelly and Rich. That was a fantastic event. We appreciate all their support and we appreciate all the fans who came out. I know there was a lot of you guys out there, so appreciate you guys for rocking with us and supporting what we're doing over here with this podcast. So we hope that you guys continue to check us out and support. And if you see us at a game or whatnot, don't be scared to say anything. We'd love to chat with all of you guys again. For sure, man. I want to say, Thanks to Kelly and Rich at Mio's. Great time. Just like Neil said, uh, thanks for supporting. And hopefully more people will support. And feel free to say something to see us out. Feel free. Um, we'll definitely, definitely talk. Always like love talking Bearcats, but, you know, even other stuff too. But, yeah, feel free to say what's up, man. We're we're regular people too. So uh, we, we won't have any problems speaking speaking back. So let's, let's try to cuss us out. But. Besides that, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, when you see JT, cuss him out. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, good. Like, fuck you, JT. sucks, bro. That shit's terrible. I'm like, damn. Your but, uh, predictions are off each week. <laughs> yeah, don't do that because it might be it might be a bad day. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? But. Yeah, well, you don't want to see JT on a bad day, man. You might catch. Yeah, it might react people. like Albert Bell. <laughs> no you don't you don't want those problems but you know we're we're, we're talking about even next year uh, we kicked around the idea of doing um a podcast again at meals next year for an away game and you know if the away game starts at seven o'clock we'd start our pod 6 30 so we would be at least 30 minutes prior to the game start kind of you know talking about what we're gonna potentially see in that game and then keep the podcast going during the first half and kind of analyze the game as it's going on, get fans to engage with us and also do a lot of uh, giveaways too, as well. Um, you know, during the podcast. So I think that'd be cool for Bearcat fans. You guys with it? For sure. man. Absolutely. All right. Good deal. And I'm starting to lose my voice because I did TV earlier today as well. So I'm, we better sign off here. Yeah. I've been talking to people all day or man, I'm all. <laughs> My voice. <laughs> You're listening to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice, whenever you need to come to Donahue Accounting Services, a leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513 528 
or visit online, DonahooAccountingService.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk Podcast. Go Bearcats!